everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, October 30th, 2016. YNR is really giving us the full on corporate espionage story right now. I, we have Jack and his briefcase full of cash, which you know I always love. We had the whole document switcheroo fake out inside of a trash can, and Travis is lurking around in the background wearing a trench coat. I mean, I think he practically had his collar popped up, so he's sort of hiding his face. <laughs> he looked like a spy. I'm watching the entire week and all of this unfolding, thinking, is this the young and the restless or the born identity? <laughs> Especially since I made the connection in my mind that Travis reminds me so much of Matt Damon. Now I'm just seeing it all over the place. I keep expecting to see Travis jump from one rooftop to the to the next in Genoa City. <laughs> I think it's it's really fun. Um, I've enjoyed this week. First of all, uh, this week we learned that at least on the surface, uh, we know who the Newman Enterprises mole is. It's some random guy with a raspy voice who we've never seen before. He comes out of the blue feeding Newman documents to Jack. He's the mysterious guy that Jack was meeting with in the alleyway, and he's providing information about Victor's improprieties to Jack in exchange for cold, hard cash, <laughs> which this information is supposed to lead Jack to some epic triumph over Victor, which we know as viewers will never, ever, ever happen because it never, ever, ever does. Um, the past two weeks, I've speculated that Victor leaked those initial documents on purpose right from the get-go, but maybe that's not true. Maybe it is still true. I could have been wrong about it at the time, but now it definitely is true. Since Victor has caught wind that uh, Jack is the one behind all of this uh, in one form or another, he has Natalie on his side, and she is Miss Computer Hacker Wiz. He tells her, why don't we just leave certain files vulnerable inside of our system? Things that will look like they're salacious, we'll leave them somewhat unprotected so that they can be accessed, and we will essentially set a trap to find out who the mole is. And apparently, it completely worked. We learned at the very end of the week that Victor has only pretended to leave town. He has left Abby in charge while Jack and Phyllis are over at Jabot scrambling and working together, bizarrely, uh, to get uh, the, uh, the info for cash exchange rolling here with the mole. Now, Jack knows that Victor is on to him, of course. He knows that he's going to be the number one suspect. He knows that he's going to be tailed if he's the one who goes and makes this next money drop. Uh, and he actually pulls this kind of brilliant switcheroo, making himself the decoy, while Phyllis is the one who's volunteered herself to do the real drop, to actually exchange the money for the information. The problem is Mr. Raspy 
voice board member Mole, who we're just now getting introduced to, has really just taken Victor's bait. That's all that's really gone on here. And of course, as soon as he does, that's a big old red flag to Victor. Victor finds out. He tips off Abby, who is kind of on the inside of all of this. We thought that Abby was being sidelined, that, that it was very much don't tell Abby and Summer what's going on here, uh, when in reality, Abby's kind of on the inside here working with Victor. She gets the tip that, uh, that the, the, the exchange is going down, and she sees the entire thing happen. She sees Phyllis right in the hot seat, handing over the briefcase of cash, thinking she's real slick uh, when, in fact, she's completely been caught. I think that this has been a really nice turn and twist of the story. I've enjoyed it very much. I like the corporate espionage kind of vibe. I think it's perfect for fall and winter. It just, I like it, especially since we're seeing all of these outdoor scenes at the park, and I liked Travis in his trench coat. What can I say? I think that the writing and the way it's unfolded has been very clever and very full of intrigue, and it definitely has left me guessing and wondering what, you know, who, who's behind it, who, you know, what's, what's really going on here. But what I really, I think, like the most about this particular story set and is the fact that the whole corporate espionage thing is really being used as just a backdrop to tell the continued story of the relationship of Jack and Phyllis. That's what it should be. That's kind of how soap operas should be. The new writers, the new people in charge of the show are doing it just right. This is what I want. I like that that surface element of intrigue when really it's the story of love. It's a story of romance. Um, it's a story of relationships anyway. Um, this week, unfortunately, I suppose for, for both of them, um, the divorce papers for Jack and Phyllis have been signed and it was so very, very painful to see um, Jack get the papers he, from his lawyer. He's already signed them and he has to stand there uh, and, and tell Phyllis to sign them too. And she really, just with her heart in her hand, uh, is having to uh, agree. She, she decided that in exchange for the, the Jack getting the divorce, she gets the job at, at uh, Jabot and she wants to keep good on her deal. So she signs the divorce papers right there in front of him. It was really, really hard to watch it broke my heart for as much as these two have gone through together and we as the audience having been on the roller coaster of the affair and I said weeks after weeks after weeks why doesn't she just leave him like forget it this relationship is over and now it comes time to sign the papers and I just found it to be very heartbreaking I think primarily because this marriage is not ending because of a lack of love. It's really ending, um, you know, because of a lack of trust. Uh, and that's, that's it's, it's actually much sadder. Weinar did this really unique and powerful montage of their relationship. It was great. It was showing us all of the good times that Jack and Phyllis have had together since the recast uh, and also intersplicing it with all of 
of the betrayal and then Jack found, you know, finding out what she did to him. It was just, they did this whole split screen thing. It was brilliant. I thought it was actually one of the better montages that we've seen in, in, uh, in the, over the course of the past uh, months and years. I thought, I thought it was just brilliant. Um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to see how hard Phyllis is fighting for her marriage now that it's over. She is completely committed to Jack. She wants to get, you know, gain back the trust that she lost with him. She even had a moment of telling Billy this week, you know, reinforcing with him that their relationship is over. She really doesn't seem to have any interest in going backward. All she wants to do is repair, uh, repair her relationship with Jack. But Billy foreshadowed something very, very important this week. He goes to Jack. After last week, him, you know, the whole thing with the thumb drive and him stealing it away from her and wanting to know what Jack and Phyllis are up to, this week, Billy actually confronts Jack in his office. They have this big blow-up argument where Billy says to Jack, you know, you and Victor can go at it all you want. Knock each other out till you both are bleeding, but I don't want you dragging Phyllis into all of this. And the fact that Billy was coming in and defending Phyllis to Jack really rubbed Jack the wrong way. Jack was infuriated. Jack was so angry he turned British. <laughs> like, did you notice? He was like, you are no longer an abbot. I mean, he really, or, or something, or he almost turned into Victor or something. He was like, you are not my brother and you are not an abbot. <laughs> it was very, very big and dramatic. I'm sure uh, Peter Bergman loved doing that scene because it, it was quite incredible. Um, I, I, I still am, am loving Jack. Actually, last week's poll question was which version of Jack do you prefer? Do you like your Jack as the dastardly devil? Or do you like your Jack as the decent guy? Uh, 64% of YNR chatters said, I like the dastardly devil. <laughs> well, we had 36% saying they like the decent guy version. I kind of, I think I'm preferring the dastardly devil for now, just because there's so much rich material for Peter Bergman to get into. Um, it's something different. We've seen, I think, the decent guy version of Jack for uh, quite a while now, and it's nice to maybe transition into something a little more on the devilish side. We can always go back to decent guy Jack, and I'm sure that we will at a certain point, but I, I, I mean, Jack is, he's such, like, the star of the show for me right now. I'm, I'm really, really liking him, but here's the thing. Billy was right about one thing. Here it is. Jack Abbott always tries to best Victor Newman, and Jack Abbott always loses every single time. The difference here is, this time, Jack's plan isn't just going to blow up in his face. It's going to blow up in Phyllis's face, too. And the question we are going to be left with is... Will Jack stay and fight to help Phyllis out of this mess that he created and that she warned him about? Or is he just going to leave her there in the rubble?
The other little romance that is forming on the heels of this corporate espionage backdrop is Abby and Travis. Did I call it or what, you guys? I think I've been calling it for two weeks now. I just picked up on this this little vibe and now I'm seeing it all over the place. Travis all week is chasing around a wild goose trying to find out who the Newman Enterprises mole is when it's really, I think, just Victor having Travis do busy work. Travis is absolutely convinced that the mole is someone in Victor family, which is seemingly way off base, unless we've got a twist coming down the pike. We, the viewers, know that the mole is raspy voice guy, so all week we're watching Travis go around trying to find out who the family member is that's behind all of this, and it, it just seems that he's really, really off here. But what, what we're doing is creating some suspicion for one thing, between Travis and Victoria. If if Victor's family is under suspicion, that means Victoria is under suspicion. So we've got that little wedge going in between Travis and Victoria there, driving them apart and freeing up Victoria uh, for the inevitable Billy-Victoria reunion, which we know is coming. We can see it from a mile away. Jill's plan is working. But now, the thing is, the little sort of surprise to me is that it's also creating a reason for Travis and Abby to have a relationship or at least an interaction with one another just to start out. There was a nice, funny, interesting, twisty little scene on Friday where Travis is trying to investigate Abby. He thinks, hmm, maybe Abby is the one who's feeding information to the outside. He takes her to lunch. He thinks he's being all sly, plying her with champagne, and Abby completely turns the tables on him. She was like, oh, no, I see exactly what you're doing. She lets him think that he's getting away with it throughout the bottle of champagne. And at the very end, she was like, yep, I knew it all along. My dad warned me about you. I knew you were going to do this. If you think that I'm the one who's stealing information, you're way off base, buddy. (laughs) It was kind of great. I mean, that kind of tension, you guys, can only lead to one place of the bedroom (laughs) or possibly the top of Victor's desk if we're lucky I don't know (laughs) I mean are you guys picking up on that tension or are you is your are your senses kind of tingling here about Abby and Travis and if so what do you think let's have an early temperature check on the relationship of Abby and Travis it's very very preliminary but I think that should be our poll question Question for this week. Abby and Travis, hot or not? Are you feeling it? Do you think this is a couple that could have some potential? YRChat.com. If you would like to cast your vote, leave some comments about Abby and Travis. I am not a huge, huge Abby fan, but I am a huge, huge Travis fan. I like to have 
ideally I would like to have Travis and Victoria together, but I did kind of think to myself, well, you know, this could possibly be a couple that could work. Um, I, if, if, if we can really dig into Abby's character and really see some growth out of this actress and out of the character, I think I could be into it. I think, um, I think it has potential, but I'm not sure. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about that this week. I'll tell you, what I was really surprised about uh, in, in, in terms of this story was the fact that Ashley decided to weigh in on Abby and Stitch's relationship in a really positive way. I, I wasn't expecting to see Ashley sit down with Stitch and really, really try to convince him to save the marriage. Um, I, I would have completely assumed that Ashley would have either distanced herself from it or just gone along with what uh, her daughter had decided. Um, honestly, I feel like Ashley is just doing her due diligence here. I think that Ashley and Ben's time is coming. That's another relationship that is just, I, I feel like I can see it coming from a mile away. Uh, it was also weird, though, to see uh, on, the, on the heels of that conversation, I guess, Ben getting all territorial when he sees Abby having her champagne lunch with Travis. What the hell, man? I thought we decided this relationship was over last week. I accidentally glossed over this last week and I was really mad at myself. Wait, v Victor hires Michael, of all people, to be his attorney against GC Buzz? Michael, who intentionally threw Victor under the bus at his murder trial, <laughs> let tried to let Victor intentionally def like, de defend him in a way so that Victor would go to prison for a really long time and Victor turns around and gives him a job? That is bizarre. <laughs> I I, I saw it at the beginning of the week and I'm like, oh yeah, that, I can't believe that I didn't zero in and rip that apart. It's absolutely ridiculous. They're playing it off like, well, Vic, you know, Michael feels like he has to repay Victor for that. Whatever. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a leap, but I'm going to take it. Uh, essentially, Victor hires Michael uh, to go after Devon and Hillary and GC Buzz, threatening to sue them if they don't reveal the source of this information that they've published. Um, maybe it's time for Hillary to do some actual real reporting here and get some sources. Maybe it will force her into a position uh, to, to do the job in a more responsible way, even though that is far less entertaining, because let me tell you, the gossip mongering got a microphone in your face recording you without you even knowing it. Hillary is much more uh, suitable, I think, to to her character. I loved her getting up in Nikki's face at the athletic club, which is, it's so bizarre considering Devon owns the athletic club and now she's down there harassing the guests. Uh, but I thought it was a funny little scene. I liked seeing the way Nikki pushed back on Hillary and Neil defending Nikki as well. Um, Nikki was kind of cool this week. I was surprised because 
I just always expect now that Nikki is going to be this, oh, well, Victor, you know, he does, he's, he's, oh, he's a good, good guy. He's innocent of everything, and, and I just believe him, and I trust him. And no, that's really not what we're getting. This week, we're actually getting this camaraderie between Nikki and Victor, where she's just turned a new leaf, and she just accepts who her husband is. She knows he's lying. <laughs> I mean, sure, she, she catches on to all of his dirty little tricks, and rather than making excuses for him or judging him for it, it's so freaking refreshing to me that she's just kind of in on it too. <laughs> what a, a novel idea, but keep it up, YNR. This Nikki is so much better than the forever pushover version of her. Um, it's just, it's like, it's just more honest. It feels more honest. And that's all I'm asking for my Nikki and Victor. Um, anywho, Devon ends up hiring Leslie to represent him against Victor and Michael. And Leslie basically tells Devon he's screwed. <laughs> I mean, there's no way out of it. He stands to lose Catherine's entire fortune if Victor is successful with his lawsuit, which I'm sorry, but are you kidding me? Devon does not have his personal assets protected in a business liability situation. This is about your business, Devon. You don't have those separated. It's, it, you know, you can't, they, like Victor would be suing GC Buzz, not you personally. It's it's ridiculous. It's just, it's absurd. And I'm sorry, but this guy is just not worthy of having inherited Catherine Chancellor's fortune. Ugh, I can't believe it. Leslie has to even advise him almost as if he's a child. She talks to him as if he's a child. Look, go to Victor and try to strike a deal, you idiot. <laughs> oh, the, your whole life is becoming one bad decision. Go to Victor and just try to talk to him. So what does Devon do? He walks up in Victor's office and says, you know, Victor, um, I just decided to hire a team of private investigators to look into you and your company and, and everything you're doing, and it sure would be a shame if they found any dirt on you that I'd have to publish in my magazine. It was as if Devon was trying to pull this big power play. I'm looking at him in the eyes going, is he actually thinking he's going to pull off threatening Victor Newman? This kid is out of his league. And then he turns around and tries to appeal to Victor as Catherine's friend. Why didn't you try the friend approach first? It was actually working. I mean, the, the only reason Victor gave him court for a millisecond was because he's grand Catherine's grandson in the first place. And Victor was about to soften when he actually used that approach when... Devon gets a ding on his phone. Hillary has completely blown any goodwill that he's managed to muster in this meeting with Victor because she has decided to publish a blind item about Victor hiring Natalie and how suspicious that is. And now it's all over the place out in GC Buzz and everybody kind of, even though she did it as a blind item, everybody knows it's just her coming after Victor again. And, 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 uh, and so it completely screws up Devon's whole plan. And also, how does Hillary know that? How does Hillary know that Natalie is working for Victor and how and, and how suspicious that is? Mariah gave her the dirt in exchange for a job.
Worst of all, Mariah told Kevin that Natalie was back in town. He didn't know it. And she created this illusion of concern for Natalie. You know, I, she lost. she's saying she lost on her, all her money, but she's working with Victor. And you know Natalie's going to end up uh, getting screwed over in that process. You should go talk to her, Kevin. So Kevin unknowingly goes over there to Fisher for information. And, you know, it's just he's trying to be a friend to Natalie. And Natalie and he figure out together. Wait a minute. Mariah is just trying to get you to get information out of me to bring back to her so she can feed it to her new boss at GC Buzz. Not a very cool thing to do, Mariah. (laughs) Especially not just to score points at your new job. Uh, I was kind of glad that Kevin went back and called her out on it. Although at the same time, honestly, I can't be too mad at Mariah. It's not like Kevin never dogged her. I seem to remember some promises of gifts that never materialized that were supposed to come as a result of Kevin's big financial windfall. I seem to remember Kevin using Mariah a little bit too. And honestly, Mariah has been an awesome friend to Kevin and all she ever gets is shoved into the friend zone. I mean, I, I, I had to have turned her stomach this week to see Kevin sitting in the ho- coffee house fresh out of his sex with Chloe, we're still wearing her shirt. I mean, he probably was just like glad to run into someone wearing Chloe's shirt so that he could brag about getting back together with Chloe. Ugh. I here. Don't get me wrong. Okay, I it was hilarious, <laughs> absolutely hilarious to see <laughs> Kevin and Chloe having sex. Kevin going downstairs nude (laughs) to get a bottle of champagne and Chelsea walking in catching him and getting an absolute eyeful (laughs) he had to like grab this this little wrap for himself and waddle backwards up the stairs so nobody saw him it was so so funny Greg Ricard was awesome in that I mean all week honestly he's been really funny really cute really charming all of the things that I love about Kevin. He's so cute. But the thing is, I don't believe in Kevin and Chloe's relationship. Kevin is such a weenie for her and I don't want to see it. I feel like Kevin, you know, he got laid this week, but he probably cried the whole time. He probably laid in bed with Chloe afterwards and wept on her. (laughs) She's probably hating it too. I mean, it's it's just, it's not a good dynamic I want to like them. I want to think they're cute. I want to get on board, but it just feels so one-sided. And and, and, and the other thing, too, is I just think I'm kind of like not liking Chloe this week for some reason. Kevin was all hilarious and cute and his Og the Powerful costume, but when Chloe made her big entrance as Zoe, this character in his, you know, fantasy fiction book, it made me feel a little ill. She gave this speech like, my lord, and it just it, it, it just completely fell flat for me. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy this complete devotion on Chloe's part. I don't buy this complete turnaround in her character. Since when does Chloe read fantasy fiction? She is a diva fashionista who carries a stun gun and a grudge. Thank you. I vote Esther for best costume for Halloween this year.
I did like how Chelsea tried to warn Chloe, saying, um, I would really hate to see Cle Kevin get hurt. Don't forget, you're the love of his life. <laughs> I don't think that Kevin is the love of Chloe's life, but clearly she is the love of his. Uh, and I, I just love that Chelsea made that point. And I feel so bad for Chelsea this week. She is so very lonely. She misses Adam. She wants to lean on Nick. And I think that she really genuinely wants to allow Nick to lean on her, too. Nick is in a rough spot. He is mourning his son. He's mourning a life that he didn't get to have. And I think on a level, Nick is probably tired of being the strong one. He was the strong one for Sage. And then he she died and he had to be the, you know, the strong one for the rest of the family. Strong one for Chelsea. Strong one for Sharon. Aaron, and it's, I think, all just catching up with him because toward the tail end of Friday's show, Sharon and Chelsea are looking for Nick. He's supposed to be around and he's nowhere to be found. They end up calling the underground as I, I don't know why, as if he still works at the underground, why would you call there last? Why would you not even think about calling there? They called everywhere. They had to call Dylan to send a, a cop car by the cemetery. Call the underground. It's, it's the bar he owns it's where he works. <laughs> so it was weird that that was their last idea. But he's there, I guess, throwing bottles around at the underground, which doesn't even sound like Nick. We only had this little, this preview of, you know, seeing the, the bottles flying in the background. And it's hard to imagine Nick being behind any of that. But I'm going to assume that this is going to give us some amazingly strong emotional scenes from Josh Morrow, from Nick this next week. I think that's going to be great. And judging by Sharon's reaction, even thinking about Nick in pain, I don't know that Sharon is going to be able to stand by and watch Nick suffer any longer. Things have hit a totally fevered pitch for Sharon. And I hate to speculate too far because I know that next week is the big reveal. I'm going to be definitely staying. I'm going to, I'm going to try not to look at anything that might spoil me because I really, I don't know how this is all going to come out. All I know is that it's gonna, I think, come out next week. And I'm not sure how the pieces are all going to fit together. Dylan has come home from uh, his, his, uh, wherever he was doing a job for Paul. Um, and uh, we've learned that Patty uh, is getting transferred. She has this total freak out. Uh, and they decide to transfer her to a facility called Rivercrest. <laughs> We've got Fairview, Stonevale, Rivercrest. <laughs> I gotta keep all of these metal facilities on the show straight somehow. But Patty, uh, at the advice of her doctor, and Paul okays it, gets transferred to another facility. But the problem is, part of Patty's deal with Sharon was that she was gonna get transferred and busted out. And when Patty gets transferred... Without bust, getting busted out, she completely freaks out. She feels betrayed by Sharon, and she f freaks out at Paul. She is making all kinds of insinuations, like, maybe I should just sing. Maybe I should stop dancing around the topics. Maybe I should just tell everybody everything about what happened at Fairview. And Paul has to be hearing that. I, can, I don't know how Paul can hear that and not drive home a direct question. What happened at Fairview, Patty? Instead, he's like, let's 
talk about your paintings, Patty. It, it, Paul is not doing a real good direct job of getting to the answers, but he does hear her uh, and it adhere to her request to see Sharon. Of all people, Patty says, bring Sharon to me. So Dylan and Sharon go to visit Patty at River Crest, and it's this intense scene between Dylan and Sharon in the room together and Patty making these insinuations and Sharon trying to subtly work her way out of it. Dylan trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Dylan leaves the room for a minute and Sharon is trying to talk to Patty saying, oops, uh, you know, the thing is, I didn't know about the transfer. I, I, I didn't have time to pull anything together. And Dylan is standing outside of the room looking in on them, noticing that something is off. I don't even know why. I could, I could beat this point over the head forever. But I don't know why Sharon ever gave in to Patty's threat in the first place. Sharon should have just let Patty say whatever Patty was going to say and play it off as she's a nut job. <laughs> she's a crazy woman. Why would you believe anything? that she, She's saying that my child is not my child. That's ridiculous. Somebody needs to lock her up. Who would even give that credence? So I, I don't know why Sharon didn't play it that way, but at the same time, even though nobody probably would believe Patty, she is incredibly cunning, and it's it's far, she's far smarter than uh, than we expect as the audience. She knows how to turn it off and turn it on like that. She can be crazy. She can be all over the place. She can be violent. And then all of a sudden, she's very lucid. And we as the audience get a sense that she's calculating. Uh, and it's it's kind of a pleasure to watch. I really wish they would just bring Patty back full time because she is really good. I mean, they could probably reform her for crying out loud and make her a leading lady if they really wanted to. Uh, but it's, it's, it's great seeing her. If Paul hasn't picked up on Pat, you know, the, the little clues that Patty's been giving, I am thinking that maybe Dylan is starting to. He, when he kind of sees Sharon and Patty conversing, he has a feeling that something's not quite right. He questions Sharon about it, and for the 500,000th time, Sharon is able to get out of it. But I'm wondering if Dylan is going to go see Patty independently and try to talk it out of her, draw out of her what the truth is. Paul got close, but maybe Dylan can get closer. I don't know. I don't know how any of this is going to end, uh, but I, I cannot wait for the ending. I think I... I I assume either Patty is going to confess or Dylan is going to put together the pieces or Sharon's head is just going to spontaneously explode and she's going to confess the whole truth. What a redeeming moment for Kane this week. Poor Kane, he is trying to do the best job that he can do. He is trying to work with other vendors to make Bear by Brash and Sassy as successful as it can possibly be. He has this sit-down meeting with a buyer, a very important big wig, and it accidentally makes him have to miss the twins' Halloween play, which they've been really looking forward to. And it, it made Kane look so bad that 
that he missed the kids play but then there's this wonderful redeeming moment where the buyer or the bigwig sees the kids running around in the athletic club and she makes some sort of snooty comment about how unruly the kids are and how rude it is of the parents to let the kids be running around and Kane stands up for his kids he chooses his kids he chooses his family and basically tells the the lady hey forget you those are my kids they're good kids sorry if we're not meeting your standards but this is who I am and I'm proud of my family and he goes over he has he leaves the table he goes over he reunites with his wife and his children and then the buyer comes over and she says you know what I'm you know I you're the kind of guy I want to do business with I'm gonna give you the deal and it's like this hero moment he closes the deal he's a total hero and then the very next day he goes into brash and sassy and now all of a sudden he is a total zero everyone is upset with him it was a deal that he was apparently not supposed to close because lauren has an exclusive right to sell uh bear by brash and sassy and bringing in in another buyer is causes a problem with her contract so uh, all of a sudden everybody's mad at kane jill jill's mad at kane lauren's mad at kane jill really ripped kane a new one and it was so annoying to me that she'll she'll go over and like lick her finger and get a smudge of dirt off of billy's face and tell him how brilliant and creative and wonderful billy is while kane is the one who's actually doing the work busting his butt trying to make the company successful and then she sits down and really reams him i guess he had it coming? I don't know. I don't know what the terms of, 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 of it all are, but I felt bad for Kane. I felt bad that he is always just trying to prove himself, and I don't I don't know why. I think he, he just has, he, he is a great family man. He is a great guy, and maybe he's just trying to finally have a chance to prove himself as a great businessman, too. I really liked, though, that Y&R took the time to have Lauren circle back talk to Michael about the professional relationship that she's had with Kane and how sort of betrayed she felt that he would go ahead and work with that buyer but more so on top of that the fact that Kane wanted to work with Lauren initially because he wanted to have autonomy. So she gave him a great position at Fenmore's, which he left her in the lurch about. He just sort of left Fenmore's without really giving Lauren much notice to go work for Jill. And now he's sharing the power with two other executives and he's under Jill's thumb and he doesn't have the autonomy that he that she knows that he wanted. So I thought that was a really great uh, point that Lauren made. I was glad that YNR brought it back to that. And last week I was kind of speculating, actually I think for the past couple weeks I've speculated that maybe there's a possibility that this whole Kane thing is going to lead to a Kane and Hillary relationship somehow, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just a story about daddy becoming a workaholic. I'm on kissing duty. (laughs) That was last week's Who Said It quote. And it was Chloe who said it. Uh, She was talking about Bella. She was upstairs and needing to be tucked in. And Chloe was ready to run upstairs and and, and go give uh, Bella and probably Connor too some some kissings. (laughs) She was in mommy mode. So a few people got that one right. It was Sandra, Ryan, Aaron, 
Happer. Now this came in as Happer, but I kind of think maybe your name is Harper because I'm pretty sure I've heard from you before. So it's either Happer or Harper. <laughs> One of you or both of you. <laughs> uh, also, Henry and Jasmine. All of you guys got that quote right. I've got a new one this week that I think kind of works for Halloween. You can tell me if you think you know who said this. The nightmare goes on and on and on. <laughs> I like that for Halloween week. I think it's going to be appropriate. Uh, you know, we've got Halloween coming up tomorrow and we're starting to see the costumes on the show and I'm sure there'll be a party and there's gonna I think be a whole lot of uh, nightmare going on inside the underground but and, and not only that inside the underground and all over the place there's gonna be a lot of nightmares to be revealed but only one person this week said the quote the nightmare goes on and on and on do you know who said it <laughs> you can go to yrchat.com and leave your guess if you get it right then I will give you your shout out on next week's YNR Chat. Let's open up this chatterbox and read a few comments. I have a really good one here from Sandra at yrchat.com who says, I have a nagging suspicion that Chelsea isn't going to come forth with Christian's true paternity right away. She may see Nick's joy at being reunited with his son and not be able to break his heart by telling him that Adam is Christian's father, but if her and Nick's relationship takes a romantic turn, I think she'll tell Nick they'll have a fallout and perhaps Adam will return at that time. I love that idea because I was kind of assuming or thinking uh, in the direction of when the truth comes out about Sully slash Christian, Chelsea is going to immediately tell Nick and Sharon and everybody else that Adam was the father. But I really like the idea of Chelsea playing the long game a little bit there, or I guess it's not a game, but I guess selfishly or unselfishly not wanting to break Nick's heart by, by telling him that truth because it doesn't really serve any purpose to, to tell Nick that, uh, except I guess the purpose of the truth. But I, I like that idea. Tina Cole follows that up at yrchat.com saying, I'm also thinking that Chelsea won't tell Nick and the four of them with Christian and Connor will be like a family because Chelsea will think back to when Adam didn't want anyone to know he burned that letter by Sage. But then Adam will come back and find Chelsea with Nick raising his sons and want Chelsea and his two sons as a family. That's a possibility too. I guess I just hadn't thought about that. I just assumed that Chelsea was going to come out with the whole thing, but it's better for the story if YNR stretches it out a little bit. And I like that both Sandra and Tina Cole are leading that up to an Adam return at the end. Uh, Anna left me a voicemail. This made me laugh. She says, I hope Nick tears the underground apart for good. <laughs> yes, I am, I'm not going to lie. He mentioned something about the underground two weeks ago, just the fact that he still worked there. And I thought to myself, ugh, the underground. I don't even care if I ever hear that name again. And then in the previews for Monday's show, we see the bottles flying in the background at the underground. And I was immediately thinking, no, <laughs> that set should have gone down in the rubble instead of they instead they brought it down to the rubble and then rebuilt it back up exactly the same way it was ugh 
Justin on Facebook, speaking of rubble, reminded me that this upcoming week marks the marks one year since the infamous Newman Tower fire. That's right, Justin. It was a kind of a Halloween party, and we had that devil. The who's the devil is Adam. It turned out to be Ian Ward. Uh, we had the big explosion with Ashley and Stitch trapped together. So that's very timely that this week uh, Abby or Ashley and Stitch are talking a little bit about their time and they did kind of mention it uh, that about their time trapped in the fire together it's it's very timely now speaking of Abby and Stitch and Ashley I love this from Shelly at YRChat.com Shelly says I feel like YNR wrote the fallout of Abby and Stitch's relationship to be completely one-sided so that not only would it be easier on the characters if Ashley and Stitch ended up together, but easier on the viewers as well. The inappropriateness of Ashley pursuing Stitch if Abby was the one rejected would not be well received. The relationship issues that Stitch and Abby have uh, have done a complete turnaround. It used to be Stitch being the one with commitment issues and keeping distance between them and in the beginning Abby was practically throwing herself at him desperately wanting that commitment now all of a sudden she's done a complete 180 I don't buy it I feel it's plot driven for sure Shelly yes <laughs> yes you have just decoded it <laughs> I don't even think I need to I don't think I have anything of value left to add because I think you just completely hit it that was brilliant um Zooperplex at Y chat.com was theorizing a little bit around the uh, the idea that it was Ashley who was the one who tipped off Abby about uh, the, the mole and where the drop was going to be uh, going down. I didn't even think of that. It's certainly possible. I don't know if you still feel that way. I think that comment may have been um, a, a little earlier uh, than Friday, but uh, in my mind it just kind of, as Friday came together, it, it came together for me as Victor walked in the office revealed that he never left town. In my mind, I was thinking back to the trap that he set with Natalie, and, and I assumed that Victor was the one who, who, who told Abby and kind of knew all along that that was going on. I could be wrong, though. Are there other theories about who tipped off Abby? I mean, maybe I was way off base. Believe me, I, I can miss things very, very easily. I'm, I'm not the end-all, be-all authority on interpreting things. <laughs> Believe me. Uh, but Daisy on Facebook, I love this says, even though Abby saw who the mole is, some board member, someone else could be pulling the strings. And that someone could be Adam. Oh, yes, Daisy. Tony at YRChat.com had also speculated a little bit uh, during the week that maybe Adam was somehow behind this. I think you guys are right. I totally think you guys are right. YNR has to have a plan for Adam. I don't think they're going to leave him off the canvas for too much longer. As Sandra and Tina Cole were talking about, Adam has to come back into the story when it comes to Chelsea and Nick. He's going to play a really important role uh, in that paternity. He's the father of this child that we're dying to, you know, reveal the truth about. So I really think YNR has that in mind. And although I think we can probably speculate 
the reasons why Adam would maybe want to get revenge uh, on Victor or Adam or who knows, or, or, you know, Adam's motives for being behind being the mole. Uh, it seemed like uh, Victor and Adam were kind of working together at the end, but ultimately Victor had Adam set up for um, for, for for murder, right? Or when, it, when he went to jail, it, Victor was behind all of that. So Adam would have a reason to want to get uh, revenge on Victor and not only that, but it adds some sort of credence to Travis's intuition that a family member is behind the, uh, the, the the mole thing. So maybe maybe Travis isn't just on a wild goose chase. Maybe he is actually right. I think I think you guys got it. You guys, you, you're smarter than me. I, I can't even really take credit for that. I, in fact, I won't uh, because uh, you guys you guys piece that together, and to me, it's just brilliant and makes complete sense. Um, finally. Last comment, Gary left me a voicemail with a little um, behind the scenes or off screen knowledge that I didn't have. Gary says, did you know that Eric Braden is releasing an autobiography titled I'll Be Damned? No, I did not know that, Gary. I am so excited about that idea, though. I would love to read Eric Braden's autobiography. I think that man is fascinating. Even above and beyond beyond the work that he's done on The Young and the Restless, he just seems like somebody who has such an incredible story. There's so much more to him than I would have any idea. Um, I, I never ended up reading Jean Cooper's uh, autobiography, uh, which I believe her birthday was the past week. I think Jasmine left me a comment and said her birthday was this past week. Um, uh, sure do miss her, and I don't know why I never read her autobiography, but I'm telling you right now, it, uh, the, I looked up, <laughs> I went out of my way to find I'll be damned uh, and, and on Amazon it said the release date was February 17th 2017 I wish they would get it out before Christmas because uh, I would love to get my hands on a hard copy of Eric Braden's autobiography and furthermore I am just praying please 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 tell me that there is going to be an audiobook version that is narrated by the man himself This week, I have two special announcements. Admittedly, one of them is quite a bit bigger than the other, but I wanted to make sure to remind you guys that we're doing a soap giveaway beginning next week. So don't forget to come back Sunday, next Sunday, November 6th, and we'll start entries on a soap giveaway where there will be four all new Genoa City soaps, characters that you've never seen before. I have formulated soap fragrancy fragrances and recipes to uh, to match the personalities of four of our characters on YNR. I'm going to reveal that next week and start a giveaway. I also brought back another one of our yummy uh, soap bars that we did last. Uh, year, so it's been a year since I've made it, um, and it's so very good and very, very decadent, and if you want to find out uh, which one it is, you can go to GenoaCitySoap.com, and in fact, while you're there, 
If you want to sign up for the newsletter, I'm going to send out an email reminder as soon as the giveaway goes live. So if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll find out right away uh, when you can enter and hopefully win a bar of soap from Genoa City Soap. I'm really excited and looking forward to that. Um, my second announcement uh, is actually a pretty big announcement that I recorded yesterday. So what I'm going to do is wrap up our regular YNR chat and I'm going to put it on the end of the video and the podcast. And I did it that way because I'm also going to put that announcement specifically up as its own video and its own podcast so that everybody can get this information and news. It is important. Um, and if you're a weekly watcher and fan of, of YNR chat, this is info you will definitely want to know. So I'll just wrap up here by saying I love your comments. I hope you keep them coming. You can go to yrchat.com to leave them or you can call into my voicemail at 309-588-4569 and I will be reading, loving, picking out a few, chatting about them next week. I cannot wait for the big share and reveal. It's going to be a good one next week. But before we get there, here is my big announcement. I hope that you all enjoy. Hey everybody, it's Allie and welcome to our special announcement, spoiler alert edition of YNR Chat. I am having a baby. <laughs> Yay! I am very, very excited. It's a girl. <laughs> There's going to be a little Allie Jr. <laughs> the next generation of YNR Chatters is soon to be born. And shocking twist, my due date is December 8th, which is just over a month away. <laughs> so I know what you're all thinking and don't worry, okay? Thanks to my nearly 25 years of soap opera fandom, I am fully aware that there is a strong possibility that my baby will be either stolen or switched at birth, but <laughs> just so you guys know, I've already toured the hospital, I've interviewed the nurses and doctors, I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on them, and if there is anything suspicious going on, and maybe just cuz, I will insist on following up with a round of DNA testing, possibly five, six separate DNA tests at independent labs across the city, <laughs> just to make sure that the child I come home with <laughs> is actually my child. <laughs> now, I know the second concern that you guys out there have is, 
what's going to happen to YNR Chat? And here is my opportunity to reassure you that everything is going to be okay. YNR Chat will live on. Nobody worry. Uh, obviously, though, there is going to be a period of time where you guys don't hear much from me. As much as I would love to assume that I'm going to be a superwoman and be blogging and vlogging and doing it all from the hospital, I do have to accept the reality that I'm going to need some recovery time, but never fear. I do have a plan to keep YNR chat going uh, during all of this and don't think that it hasn't been on my mind this entire time and also don't think that I don't want to get back to YNR chat. I'm going to want to get back to uh, my routine with YNR chat and and um, and you know putting it out there for you as soon as possible. So when within the next month or so when a Sunday rolls around and you don't see a video posted from me, you don't see a podcast posted from me, here's what I want you to do. First of all, please assume that I have gone into labor trapped inside of an elevator <laughs> in an ice storm while there is an entire citywide power outage going on at the same time, okay? I want you to assume there's maximum drama going on around this labor, but I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. The EMTs are going to, they're going to rescue me just in time and transport me to the hospital. It's all good. <laughs> but when you don't hear from me, what I'd love for you all to do is just go to yrchat.com because I'm going to try my very hardest and I think it's reasonable uh, to, to get a post out there to let you guys know what's going on, that I'm okay, and most importantly, I can pre-schedule posts at the website so that you guys can continue to talk about the show even though I'm not here, and I can check those messages and maybe chime in here and there uh, as soon as I can or as soon as, uh, as I get home, uh, but I just want wanted to put it out there that the website is going to be the place to go to check in on me and to chat with uh, the other chatters about the show. I don't want the conversation about the show to stop just because I can't necessarily lead it. Uh, but I, I have to be somewhat realistic. I, I think it's probably going to be at least two to three weeks where you guys don't hear from me very much. Like I said, I will try to get in on the conversation at the website, but that's probably the only place you're going to be able to find me. There's not going to be a video. There's not going to be a podcast. I will not be on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or anything like that, and there probably will be a minimal amount of interaction by me while I'm adjusting. However, I'm really, really hoping that some of our YNR chat, other stars, the other stars of YNR chat who comment regularly, I'm, I'm hoping maybe you guys 
can jump in there during that transition time and maybe use it as your time to shine. Post your own weekly summary of the show, your weekly opinions on the show, because people do read those. They do interact and respond with those. So I would love it if all of our uh, the names that we all know <laughs> from every single week of our inner chat would jump in there uh, and and contribute while I'm out. Um, I am thinking, though, that by hopefully by three, four weeks after having the baby, I would like to be completely caught up on the show because believe me, I'm going to be watching. There's there's no doubt that I'm going to be caught up on every single episode. Uh, I already have it all kind of in my mind worked into how I'm going to make it, you know, how I'm going to make it work so I can still get my YNR in, uh, which is like my decompression time. That's my me time. So it's important to me to get the shows in uh, and hopefully by around a month, I will be completely caught up on the show and able to return to you guys with some audio blogs, meaning the podcast. Um, Unfortunately, it's probably going to be closer to four to six weeks, I would say, before I'm going to be able to come back and really feel like setting everything up for the full video uh, and the games and uh, all of the other goodies and website stuff and the, the full rip-roaring YNR chat that I usually do. Uh, so it's probably going to be six weeks for that, but hopefully it's going to be closer just to maybe three, four weeks before I can at least get back uh, doing podcasts and audio blogs. So um, the, I, I said, suppose that the the bad news is <laughs> that I will be gone for just a little while but the good news is I will be back I will absolutely be back and I think that there's a part of me that will be anxious and ready to come back because YNR chat and YNR in general is my sanctuary. I think I'm going to need and want to have this as a way to get back to normal or to feel normal or to connect in with just me and my alliness and who I am. And I mean, I've been watching The Young and the Restless uh, since I was 13 years old. It's been nearly 25 years. It's, it's something that's part of my backbone. I think that this space of time I am probably more uh, unabashedly alley than anywhere else in my life. And I think that I'm really going to want to come back to that as soon as possible. Um, But on that note, when I do come back, I just have to say one little serious comment here. Um, This is and will always be Allie's YNR chat it is not going to become Allie's baby talk. (laughs) I don't want anyone to think that I'm going to turn it into that. And likewise, I, I don't want to feel obligated or pressured to talk about the baby. Um, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to want to share a bunch of pictures and give everyone a a blow-by-blow about it, and I hope that everybody can kind of understand and appreciate that. This is my space to talk about YNR with you, and I want to keep YNR chat about YNR. I'm going to be living life with a newborn, um, and and I I just am probably not going to want to have a bunch of conversations about it. Um, But 
At the same time, I think that there is going to be a whole new world of experiences that I am going to be able to relate to the show, and that's really exciting to me. Um, there's a lot that goes on on the show with the storylines and the characters and the different situations that I think I'll be able to add a little more depth to from having been a mother. For instance, <laughs> when it comes time to ship my kid off to boarding school at age eight, where she will return to me as a fully formed 18 year old in just a couple of months, maybe years, then I will be able to now relate that experience to whatever character is also going through that on YNR. Or, you know, when it comes time for me to do everything in my power, to keep my child away from that no good punk that she's dating, <laughs> then I will be able to, you know, take all my YNR experiences and, and relate that to how I will find insane and crazy ways to stop her from dating this guy uh, and, and relate that back to the show. I think, I think that's going to be a good thing. And God forbid if someday down the road my daughter starts having an affair with my third husband or something... I'm going to be able to bring all of that knowledge and all of those feelings from my own life into the YNR chat and vice versa. <laughs> so there's a whole new vista opening up here. <laughs> so um, it is very, very exciting. And I hope that you guys are excited for me and I hope nobody's too disappointed. We will definitely get back onto a regular schedule schedule as soon as possible. And more than anything, I just want all of you guys to know that I have every intention of continuing YNR chat for as long as possible until the day <laughs> that my daughter decides to overthrow my YNR chat throne and take my place. <laughs>